Well, good morning. I'm so glad that uh, you're with us today. There's a handful of folks here um, in preparation for next week's regathering. And uh, certainly we uh, know there's a lot of you uh, watching online. This is actually week 11, Sunday 11 of online worship. So we are so thrilled to, to be regathering a week from today. We'll be more details about that uh, towards the end of the service. Uh, but I just wanted to begin with, with this passage. It was just read from, from Hannah, from the book of James, chapter 1. And uh, I want to encourage you for a moment to, you know, sometimes if, if for those of us who have spent a lot of time in the church, we, we sometimes will read passages and uh, we just kind of, we just assume certain things about it. Uh, we, we kind of jump past some of the natural questions or, 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 or issues that might be raised if it was new to us. So let's take ourselves and this, let's try to think of ourselves. And some of you online today might be in the situation. Maybe you're not really a, a church person. Maybe you've uh, never really heard a sermon or read the Bible. And if that's the case, we're so glad you're with us today. But let's kind of place ourselves and kind of just think this way. Say you've never been in a church, you've never heard a sermon, you've never read the Bible. And one day you see a Bible, you think, I'm going to pick this book up, see what the fuss is about this. And, and you open it up and it falls open to a page. And over the top of the page, it says James in bold letter and bold type. And you think, well, this is good a start place to start as any. And you begin to read. Verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you assume correctly the guy who wrote this must be a guy named James. Then you read a little bit farther to the 12 tribes gathered among the nations. You're not sure what this means, but you again assume correctly that this guy, he's writing to a group of people who are somehow connected and scattered all over the world. And then you read this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. And you think, okay, this is going to be good. I mean, who doesn't like joy, especially pure joy? That's the best kind. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You say, whoa, wait a second. I didn't see that one coming. This this guy, this James guy who wrote this, this book, this letter, he's telling me that when I experience, when we experience hard things in life, trials of any kind, divorce, death, disappointment, death of a loved one, um, debt, rejection, et cetera, et cetera, that we're supposed to consider it, to view it as pure joy. And you might think, what planet is this guy coming from? Now, again, if you've spent a lot of time around the church, and maybe you've heard this preached on, you've been in a Bible study on it, and, and so you, you maybe don't have the same sort of incredulous reaction that I just described, but let's face it, when it comes to trials, none of us want to experience them, Right? We'd rather live a charmed life. Uh, maybe a few bumps here and there so we have some you know, good stories to tell our, our friends or family about when we overcame this or that. But, but no massive trials, right? Nothing that, that takes our breath away, that, that, that drops us to our knees, that knocks us flat on our backs. We don't want those sorts of trials. So let's unpack this. Uh, let's see how what this means and how we can find and experience, consider trials joy. And so to do that, we're going to walk through these verses together. Let's pick it up again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because, so he's going to tell us why we can do this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. All right. So I should backtrack for a second. Uh, before we jump into it, it's always helpful to have a little bit of context 
We've already established who the author is, who he's writing to. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about the author and his, his circumstances. OK, um, James was the half brother of Jesus. And um, we know the Gospels tells us that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. So the Holy Spirit conceives. So uh, Jesus in the womb of Mary and and he's born. Um, but then after Mary and Joseph are married, they have other children. And James is one of those children. Uh, so Jesus is James half brother. Same other, different fathers. And we know from a story in the Gospels that James wasn't always on board with what Jesus was doing. It's not unusual. <laughs> you know, siblings, brothers, sisters, 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 brothers, brothers, don't always agree with what the other person's doing. Don't always understand where they're coming from. And it was the same with, with James and his brother Jesus. I mean, in fact, there's a story in the Gospels again where Mary and Jesus' brothers, some of his family, they come to to get Jesus, they're a little concerned about him, that he's maybe a little, disillusion, a little delusional and they, they love him, but they don't yet completely understand who he is and what he's doing and, and why he's come. So what changed James' mind to go from thinking his brother was maybe, you know, a little bit short uh, on, you know, on, 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 on what's going on in his life or to, to say in verse one, he's my Lord <laughs> and I'm his servant. Uh, I, I think it would take a lot for me to say that about my older brother. <laughs> Just be honest. We, we don't know exactly what happened or when, but no doubt Jesus teaching and his miracles would have had an impact. Right. But I think the clincher had to be must have been the resurrection. Imagine that your brother claims to be sent from God. He's God in the flesh. He draws huge crowds. He amazes people with his teaching. He challenges all sorts of social barriers like, well, I can't believe you challenged those people. No, 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 no. That's too far. Don't 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 do that. Mm, I'm not sure I would have said that. He does miracles. He's crucified publicly. And then you see him face to face a few days later. And over the course of, of, of several days, over 500 other people see him face to face. I think that would have clinched it. And we can see by how James writes in his letter here and how, from history and how he lived that, that he truly believed that Jesus, his half-brother, he grew up with his older brother, he saw him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and that he was in fact risen from the dead. Along with this, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem, which was not an easy job. Uh, the church was made up primarily of Jewish believers in Jerusalem, and, and they were here in the middle of the city where Jesus was crucified, and they were not popular or sympathetic figures with the general populace, especially with the Jewish elite. We know that they were impoverished. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in, a, in, a, in another couple letters, talks about how he's challenging the other churches gathered around full of Gentile believers mainly to take up an offering to help out their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem because they were being persecuted. Uh, they were having a hard time making ends meet. Um, they were ostracized. And this was the church, and this was the situation that, that James led and lived in. In fact, we're told that eventually he was a martyr. Uh, he, he was thrown from the temple of, of the roof of the temple because he believed that his brother was who he said he was, and because he believed that his brother had in fact risen from the dead. He'd seen it with his own two eyes. So James is writing to his brothers and sisters all, scattered all over the Roman Empire to encourage them. This is what you do when you face trials. Because here in Jerusalem, you name it, we've 
faced it. He says, this is what I've learned, and this is what I want to share with you. So that's a little bit of background. Verse 2, we pick it up. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Did you notice that James says whenever? He doesn't say if you face trials of many kinds. He says whenever. So he's, he's telling us that there's going to be certain things in life that we cannot avoid. Trials, obstacles, hard times. And we may not be able to pray them away. We may not be able to faith them away. We won't be able to avoid them. It's not going to be a matter of faith or lack of faith. Jesus said this as well. Trials are a part of life. Financial trials, physical, emotional health trials, relationship trials. Uh, There's no way around trials. And sometimes, oftentimes, we don't see them coming. Uh, If you look at the in the Greek here, the Greek word used for face when he says face trials, it's the word that was used in the ancient Greek world for surprise, you know, which is how these things happen. You're going along in life. Everything's hunky dory. Everything's great. And all of a sudden, boom, you get the phone call from a loved one and and it's not good news. You uh, go into the boss's office. Not what you want to hear. Something happens on the other side of the world. And eventually it comes to your part of the world and it upends everything. It's, it's a surprise. You didn't see it coming. And you don't really have any control over it. James says whenever these sorts of things happen, all kinds, he says, consider it. Think about it. Reframe it as pure joy. Pure joy. Now, how can he say this when he doesn't know the circumstances of our lives? You know, he doesn't know my pain, my frustration, my, my loss, my feelings. How can he say, consider it pure joy? Maybe that works for him, but how can he say that about me? Well, he tells us why. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, now what does testing do when you think about it? It it, it ensures that something is authentic or real or, or true. You, 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 you test a diamond to see if it's real. You test material to see if you know it. You test certain theories to see if they're true. And he's asserting that the trials we go through in life, they test the authenticity, the realness, the trueness of our faith. They show us when the rubber hits the road, if we truly believe what we say we believe. Our trials and our responses to them demonstrate where we put our trust and whether we put our trust in God. Isn't that true? Think back to a time when something difficult has happened in your life. Think about your response. You discover something about your faith, the depth of your faith, the degree of your faith, your confidence in God. And James is saying, uh, we may not like the trials, we may not like this idea, but James is saying that there can be joy in discovering that our faith in God, no matter the circumstances, is real and it's genuine and it works. Now let's clarify a little something about faith. Faith is not, faith in God is not about leveraging God or manipulating God into doing something that he wasn't planning on doing. Faith is trusting in who God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus 
And it's trusting in his character and his goodness and his love. It's trusting that he's at work in your life, in your world, even if you don't particularly like what's going on in your life and in your world. And so James tells us that through these trials, we discover what kind of faith we have and we discover what kind of God we have. And that could be a source of joy. Well, what else do trials do that cause James to tell us to consider them joy or, or like a gift, like, like Lisa said in the children's message? He says, trials produce perseverance, stick to this. Um, trials make our faith stronger, like pressure and time produce a, produce a diamond. Uh, the pressures and surprises of life, the hard things, they, they produce perseverance. They make our, they make our faith stronger. James later in his letter, he writes these words, pretty well-known words. He says, faith without works is dead. In other words, faith can't just be words. It can't just be mental assent to certain ideas. Faith must must lead to action. It must produce something. It must be put in practice. It must must be exercised. And nothing makes us exercise our faith more than difficult Times, challenges, that's how we grow our physical muscles, right? They get stronger within, with exercise and within prolonged periods of exercise. And, and, and you develop endurance. And if you don't have endurance, then you can't persevere when things get really, really tough. When the, when the last hundred yards of a, of a run or, or the last few minutes of overtime. So James is telling us, hang in there. Don't leave the weight room. Let this trial produce in you something redemptive, something good, a stronger, more authentic faith. And isn't that what what we say we want? You know, we want to be mature in our faith, but we don't want the trials. The Bible seems to indicate that through hard times and trials, that's often when we most when we grow. Faith will not grow without adversity real deeply. And so it might not be something we want. It might not be something we would have chosen or pursued. But James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he says, continues in verse four, that perseverance finishes work so that you may be complete, mature and complete, not lacking anything. It doesn't mean perfection. It's this idea of, of, of mature, of, of being mature in Christ, of, of, of growing into what God has intended you to be and who you've intended to be in your, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your, your character. Now, what do you want in the most in the midst of a trial? I don't know about you, but for me, it's like I want it to be done. <laughs> I, I want it to be over. I want to be done with it, which is a natural reaction. James says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So again, he's telling us to have perspective. He's saying that when we face a trial and persevere in and through it, God uses it to mature us. As Andy Stanley puts it, the thing we want removed from our life is a thing that God chooses to use. I mean, let's, let's, let's kind of flesh this out. How do you 
develop deeper dependency upon God in the area of finances. It's grown through periods where you live mouth to mouth, month to month, right? How do you grow in trusting God with your, with your physical health? You face your mortality when your health declines. How do you learn to find the peace that passes all understanding that God came to give us? You go through periods of anxiety and stress and fear. How do you discover how to place your, your whole life and world in God's hands by finding yourself in circumstances that you did not choose and trusting that he alone is, is sovereign, that he's got you, that he's got this, that he's good, he's loving, he's faithful, and he is able the thing we want removed is often the thing that God chooses to use to grow us, to shape us, to change us, to prepare us, to teach us something about our faith and ourselves, to teach us something about himself. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying uh, that we should just resign ourselves to situations. Nothing I can do about it. Just sit back and, and take it. No, I mean, we should pray. We should pray that God will remove this from our life. We should pray that it'll go away, that we'll find healing or help or, or financial relief or whatever it might be. That's perfectly understandable. We are to pray, be people of prayer. But it might be that God will choose to use it in our life. Because the only way that we can really have mature, grown-up faith is experiencing trials and through those trials and in those trials, discovering that God is there for us, he's with us, and he will see us through. So ask God to use the trial in your life, whatever that is right now, until it's over and done with, until it's removed. Now, you still are probably thinking that sounds good in most cases, right? But there are a few things, a few trials in life that it's hard to come up with some sort of redemptive purpose how can I have perspective on that? I, how can I consider that joy? And I get you. There's, there's some things I can think of that fit into that category. Remember, James gets this. Remember his story? Persecution, famine, hardship, eventual martyrdom. He knows that there are times when we can't seem to understand or get perspective or reconcile things. So he tells us in verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Another way to put this is if any of you lacks the perspective to see this trial, this situation or circumstance as God sees it. If any of you is having a hard time understanding how God can use this in your life or world, ask God. And he will give you perspective. He'll help you to see it his way. This is a prayer that God will always answer. Maybe not completely overnight, and we may not have complete clarity, 100% clarity. But we can have a better vantage point about the trial. And James, in other words, says, God, give me the eyes to see this as you do. You know, do you, you know somebody who who seems to have perspective no matter what's going on in their lives. Can you think of somebody who's gone through a difficult trial or is in the midst of a difficult trial and you're like, how can they have peace? How can they experience joy? I go there to encourage them or to cheer them up and I leave having been encouraged. How do they do that? How can they have such faith? 
You know, people like that, they, they inspire me because I want to be like that when my trials come. People like that, they encourage me because they're examples of faith at work and, and, and proof that faith does work and that God can be and will be there for us through it all. And they challenge me to let those trials do their work in me, to grow me closer uh, in faith with Jesus Christ. Now, doesn't this seem like a word that we need to hear with everything that's going on in our world right now? I mean, these past few months have produced a lot of challenges for all of us. And I, I'm guessing if I sat down and talked with each one of you, I'd get a variety of responses ranging from, you know, this is really inconvenient. It's really disruptive all the way to this is destroying my life, my health, my finances, my relationships. My challenge for us today is that we do not miss the lessons that God has for us. My hope is that we, we won't simply get through this, but that we will grow in it. That we'll come out on the other side of this, whenever it ends, in a better place faith-wise. That we will have developed a deeper trust and dependency upon Jesus Christ. That we'll have wisdom and a better grasp of God's perspective. That we'll become more mature. And that we'll have seen that our faith truly is genuine and true and authentic. So hang in there. Because these trials are an opportunity for us to grow. And persevere and let, let these trials do their work in us. To produce strength and faith that will see us through. God is with us. God is for us. And God is good and faithful and loving. So consider it pure joy. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your love for us. We thank you for your word. And Lord, <laughs> we just um, we come before you and we just ask that you would give us the eyes to see the things that go on in our world, the, the challenges, the obstacles, uh, Lord, as, as really something that you can use in our lives. Uh, though we may not have chosen those things, that you can use those things in our lives to produce a greater dependency upon you, a deeper faith. Uh, Lord, we, just, we ask that that would happen in our lives. Uh, Father, we, we pray that um, for your help and your strength in the midst of whatever we're experiencing now. And yes, Lord, we pray that, that the trials would soon end, uh, but we know there'll be more. Uh, we know that life uh, occasionally will have trials. So, Lord, help us to grow through this and not just survive it, but to thrive and to, and to come out on the other side better and stronger and deeper and more in love with you uh, with a, and... Um, and that you would be honored in our responses and our actions and our attitudes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.